Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your host, Tanner Christian. And coming up on today's episode, Aaron Rodgers is going to talk about his preseason debut Saturday night against the Giants. It's first in five years. What to expect from Aaron Rodgers this season? Get into the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. Is it going to work? Is there already turmoil in Denver? And Jonathan Taylor has been given permission to seek a trade. We'll get into the landing spots of where he may land. What is the asking price? And Steph Curry recently said that he is the best point guard of all time. Is he? We're going to debate about that. Okay, I want to start with Jonathan Taylor, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. He's been granted to seek permission for a trade. Remember, this a few weeks ago, he was saying he didn't want to play with Jim Mercy anymore. Didn't like the respect he was given. Now he's coming around and saying, okay, you want to seek a trade? Go for it. thing that's interesting about Jonathan Taylor is he entering the last year of his rookie contract, so he's going to expect to get paid come next year. And you all know about what's going on with the running back market. The owners don't want to pay him. They're like one of the lowest paid positions in the league now, almost next to kicker and punter. So this may be a little bit difficult because the asking price is said to be a first round pick or multiple picks that kind of can equal up to a first round pick. So you may be able to get a second and third or second and fifth. I don't know exactly what the Colts would accept, but this is interesting. Obviously, he's one of the top running backs in the league. Last year, didn't have the greatest year, 861 rushing yards, four touchdowns in 11 games, but that Colts team was bad. Man, were they awful last year. Matt Ryan, who we remember when Matt Ryan was their quarterback last year? They had Carson Wentz the year before. This is goes to show you in Indy, things haven't been so great. On the offensive side of the ball, aside from Jonathan Taylor. Now, Michael Pittman's been an okay wide receiver at times, but that's about it. Quentin Nelson, the guard, name somebody else. But this is the previous year. You know, Jonathan Taylor had 1,811 rushing yards, 18 TDs, set in 17 games. Remember that? And then Carson Wentz wanted to play hero ball those final two games, and they ended up losing, and they got... No playoffs. They should have because Jonathan Taylor was having an MV caliber year. He was in the hunt all the way up to those last two games where he put up a couple of duds because Carson Wentz, Frank Wright. Huh. Great decision not to give him the ball to the best player on the team and having Carson Wentz as a quarterback. That's another story. Let's get into Jonathan Taylor. Who would be the suitors for him? And will somebody really give up a first-round pick? Already the rumors have circulated. And you know who one of them are. It's Miami Dolphins. They're in every rumor mill. They lost out on Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook opted to play for the Jets. Miami was said not to offer that much money. They didn't want to match that. Well, $7 million a year, up to $8.6 million if you include the if he hits his, his incentives. So, will Miami really be in play? Because then you got to 
trade perhaps a first-round pick or even a second-round pick and a later-round pick for Jonathan Taylor, and then you have to offer him a contract. I think that's the trickiest part of it all. But if you're the Miami Dolphins, like I've always said before, got Raheem Mostert, injury-prone. Got Jeff Wilson, injury-prone. Salman Ahmed has played, uh, or Ahmed has played a great preseason. Is he really the answer? I don't know. The rookie went out with a shoulder injury already in preseason. You got this whole running back crew, but to me, they're kind of weak because they're so injury-prone, and they've shown that in their careers. Jonathan Taylor, you add him to this group to go with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Offensive line is a little suspect in Miami, but damn, this could be something. Chris Greer swung for the fences lately. He did it for Tyreek Hill, got him in. He did it for Bradley Chubb on the defensive side, got him in. He's not afraid to wheel and deal for big name players. We've seen that recently. But is Jonathan Taylor worth it? And I think he is. I think Jonathan Taylor can be a great fit in Miami because they need somebody to go in between the tackles to get you the rough, hard-earned yards. That's what Jonathan Taylor can do. Miami is always this finesse and speed team right now. It needs somebody else to have that speed, like a Jonathan Taylor, but also afraid to get a little punch in the middle of the field in between the tackles. So I think that would be a huge move for Miami. Now, who else could possibly be in the running? Oh, they're voting out those Dallas Cowboys. The America's team, right? They seem to like that rookie kid. Tony Pollard's coming off a serious leg injury. Jonathan Taylor could be an option. Never know. Jerry Jones may want to swing that trade. But they ain't got to pay him. He's shown that he's... Working out deals. He just restructured Zach Martin's deal. Got the offensive line. That could be something. That's a team that really would make a lot of sense, too. The offensive line that would really help out Dak by adding Jonathan Taylor. C.D. Lamb. Wow. I like that. Brandon Cooks. Are you Dallas? Like That could be a game-changing move for you in the NFC that's wide open. That could make you, like... Make a break. Kind of like how the Niners, they got Chris McCaffrey last year. They went all the way to the championship game with the quarterback player. Chris McCaffrey ended up being, having to play quarterback. But um, that's a team to look out for. I, I wouldn't surpri- be surprised. I think that would be a smart move for Dallas. Anybody else? I don't know, man. It's crazy. Like I bet Half the league will want Jonathan Taylor as their running back. It's just a matter of giving up with the compensation. And then paying him as he goes into that final rookie year deal. So he's going to be expecting an extension. And hopefully he can reset this running back market. I mean, if he has a good year, he can probably reset that running back market. This $10 million a year thing is getting a little out of hand of the franchise tag. Josh Jacobs still hasn't even reported to camp for the Raiders. He's only one so far, so... Eckler and all these guys, man, they were re- trying to re- get new deals and kind of didn't work. Dalvin Cook was even seeking upwards of $10 million when it first started in free agency when he was released by the Vikings. He didn't get quite that. 
but it was close. So, Jonathan Taylor, any team should want this guy as their running back. And behind a good offensive line, that's why I think Dallas it really is a great fit for him. But of course, I want him in Miami. Because that would be going with him, with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle on the outside. That's a scary. I wanted, I thought Dalvin Cook could have been scary in this offense. But damn, Jonathan Taylor's available. Come on, Miami. Pull the trigger. Screw it. Go get him. All right, up next here, we're going to talk about a little guy out there. Whoa, is he a little guy? Aaron Rodgers in New York. He's actually going to play his preseason game against the Giants on Saturday night. It's the first preseason game he's going to play in five years. Doesn't that make sense for a guy this long in his career? And why not? He may go out there just for one play and just sling it to Garrett Wilson and say, hey, I'm good. See you all week one. <laughs> because I don't really expect him to play much. If he does, he does. Could it be a risk playing him? Maybe. He's got a whole new offense. Well, player-wise anyway. Same coordinator he worked with in Green Bay. Nathaniel Hackett. We won't get into his Denver. Well, we maybe we'll end the next topic here with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. But anyways... Aaron Rodgers playing Saturday night. I don't have a problem with it. A lot of speculation. Why is he playing in a preseason game? Who cares? He may play one play. He may just go out there for one series. He may just go out there and just hand the ball off three times to say, yeah, I'm out. Or he could play the whole first quarter. Who knows? We don't really know what's going to happen, but I don't see no big deal. I think him and uh, Garrett Wilson can get on the same game style plays. It'll be great to see him go out there and have a connection as well. You know, Dalvin Cook is, I don't know, I'm not sure if he's going to play, but damn, Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook on the same team, but they're on the Jets. Is this a weird, maybe a little eye adjustment for us to really see like, wow, Aaron Rodgers was a Packer his whole career. Dalvin Cook's been a Viking, battling each other in the NFC North. Now they're in AFC East on the New York Jets. It may get a little wild to get used to. Like, damn, are we playing Madden or is this real life? But anyways, I have no problem seeing Aaron Rodgers play a preseason game. And just the Jets in general, I think, have the most eyes on them. The, one of the highest expectations because, let's face it, they haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. Let alone, like, get in the playoffs and get a playoff victory. They haven't been in 12 years. So this is huge expectations for Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. And will they be able to do it? You see Aaron Rodgers, how he played the last couple of years in Green Bay. The team was there. It seemed like they had just enough on defense, just enough in the running game. Aaron Rodgers just seemed off last year. And him not running in that champ in that game against the Tampa Bay Bucks the previous year, you're just like kind of scratched your head. You're like, "Come on, man, go for it, get the touchdown, put your body on the line." You know, this seems like Aaron Rodgers has been kind of off, and with all the whole stuff, you know, sitting in a dark room and everything this offseason, maybe that changed him. I don't know, but let's say everybody expects this Jets team to reach the playoffs and perhaps AFC championship game or bust. 
And that's saying a lot for a team, like I said, hasn't made the playoffs in 12 years. Crazy. And since we're speaking about quarterbacks and preseason games, why don't we talk about what Russell Wilson is doing? Okay, so Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, he only played a couple series. He had like 20-some passing yards, and that was pretty much it. Completed three passing completions there, and everybody's freaking out because Jared Stidham all of a sudden was getting first-team reps, and he's out there getting a majority of the snaps in the preseason game too. And, yeah, that's because he struggled so bad in the first go-around. Like, Sean Payton was probably just like, he did it in New Orleans, so I'm not really looking into, oh, Russell Wilson or Jared Stidham. As uh, the starter. It's going to be Russell Wilson. But um, Russell Wilson. Sean Payton. Will it work? Will this tandem coexist? And I think it can. Russell Wilson's been. I just think last year. Kind of fed him a little bit. Even in the last couple of years in Seattle. It just felt like. What happened to this guy? What happened to him? Well. Sean Payton wasn't just brought in here to fix Russell Wilson's career worst year since he ended. He was 4-11 last year as a starter. And that Denver Broncos offense was one of the worst offenses we probably ever watched. It was hard to watch. It was, like, painful what Nathaniel Hackett and that whole coaching staff did to this team because they got some talent on this team on offense and defense, it was kind of a shame to see how bad they were. Just seeing crucial moments in this, like, not knowing when to call timeouts. And, you know, this is a coaching disaster. But Sean Payton's there down to fix that. That's why he got brought in. He didn't just get brought in to fix Russell Wilson. He got brought in to fix this damn organization and the decisions they were making. They try to fix the offensive line. Trying, you know, different offense, obviously, this year. Can Russell Wilson and Sean Payton coexist? I think so. They're both veterans in this league. Do they still have it in them will probably be more of the question. Sean Payton's been out coaching for a while. Coach Drew Brees for over a decade. So, Russell Wilson hasn't been the Super Bowl on that Seattle team. With the Legion of Boom, like Legion of Doom, really, um, it's far from removed. Should have handed Marshawn Lynch the ball, right? <laughs> Russell Wilson wanted to be the hero. Pete Carroll wanted to make him the hero, and he failed. Will's Denver Broncos be team? I mean, this deep, this division is so hard. You got the Chiefs, you got the Chargers, you got the. Raiders, even though they may not be very good this year, I don't expect much from the Raiders. But Jimmy G and Josh McDaniels, there's another one. But um, I expect this Broncos team to be maybe not elite, but a great football team this year. So their defense is solid. If Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy can get on the same page, Javante Williams coming back from the ACL. For the running back there, this team could be very damn good. And I expect them to have a winning record. Playoffs 
and may be able to get in. It's going to be tough, though. But I'm not expecting, like, an MVP caliber season from Russell Wilson. I am expecting over 30 touchdowns, though. You better get over 30 touchdowns this year. You better have your TD to interception ratio. I'm looking for, like, 34 touchdowns, 8 picks, like Russell Wilson. That may be asking too much. But let's try to get out of those double-digit interceptions. So some touchdowns. You got a heck of a receiving core. It's it should be no it's really an excuse. I don't there's no way he duplicates it. But maybe Seattle really did know something about Russell Wilson that no one of us knew. When Denver Broncos traded all those picks, gave up a king's ransom for him. We're like, wow, Denver finally got their quarterback. And we saw what we saw last year. You're like, yikes. Seattle got good really quick with all those rookies. They actually all performed really well last year. And on both sides. And you saw Denver, Russell Wilson, this, and the whole team just really suck. So it's kind of embarrassing. But Seattle's won that trade so far, if you're looking at it for right now. Russell Wilson has to play well this year for Denver. And Sean Payne has to show, like, hey, we can coexist. We're going to win some damn football games. We're not messing around like last year with that coaching staff. was. He actually said that himself. Last year's coach staff was the worst in NFL history. It may have been. We expect better things than Denver this year. All right, let's get into the NBA. Let's get some NBA talking here. We got Steph Curry recently saying he was the best point guard. See, and he is the best point guard ever. I guess that's into the debate. Is he the best point guard ever? And if he's not, who is? Now, there's been a lot of Damn good point guards that have played in the NBA. And the point guard position was really the floor general. The guy making incredible passes, you know, getting his other teammates involved and, you know, occasionally shooting. Point guards weren't really known as the shooters in the NBA until recent years with a three-point shot this went crazy. That's part and due to Steph Curry. As for the best point guard of all time, I think that's stretching it a little bit. Now, the best shooter, you definitely have an argument, and he may be the best shooter because this guy is shooting his free throw percentage is like 90-plus percent for his career. He He's all-time record in three-pointers made. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to break it, but the rate it's going, maybe. <laughs> but Steph Curry has this shattered by thousands now. And he's not done. So the three-point shot, I mean, he's shooting it from the moon and making it. So that's something that Steph Curry has. One of the things Steph Curry has is, like, with the younger generation, kids look up to him. He's an icon. I mean, he's got everybody's trying to shoot no-look threes and doing a little wiggles and you know the little dance moves and just being the mouthpiece hanging from the mouth like he's really captured the younger generation and this basketball players is growing up going through school and just wanting to play the game of basketball and I think that's why he's just so catapulted his way up in the rankings because it's not just from a basketball standpoint 
it's like he's a global icon now. And he's got everybody around the world know who he is. He's got the shoe line. It's not on par with like Jordan's, but like he's got a pretty damn decent shoe line too. And now the merch is going crazy for him. The logo, like Seth Curry's making a name for himself worldwide. So the impact he has now is just catapulted him in that conversation. It's not just his game, his crazy ball handling, you know, this being able to shoot from anywhere on the court, you know, this that is it's not just what he does on the court anymore, it's what he does off the court and how his brand has just grown so much. I think that's one of the main reasons he's put himself in that conversation. Now, is he the best the best point guard? What do I think? I don't think so. At least not yet. I mean, if you say he is, I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong because it's kind of crazy what he's done. But we can't really discount Magic Johnson. Like, Irvin Magic Johnson, to me, is the best point guard to ever play. Showtime Lakers, the 80s battle with Larry Bird and just being part of the Los Angeles Lakers like that wearing the purple and gold in LA on those great teams those Hall of Fame teams you know it's it's hard to say I mean we could go with stats Let's just go stats just to throw it out there. Matthew Johnson has three MVPs. He's got he's a nine-time All-NBA first team. He had three finals MVP too, by the way. Four-time assist champion. Five-time NBA champion. Steph Curry, he's got two MVPs. He's been to the All-NBA first team four times. And he's a four-time NBA champion, but they did blow that one league to the Cleveland Cavs and LeBron James. So it's like, we know what happened. That should have been theirs, but he had a couple of rings because they brought over Kevin Durant. The team was way more talented. So you can throw in the argument like, hey, Steph Curry's had a last round, but Magic Johnson had some damn good players. He played with, he played with Kareem, he played with James Worthy. I mean, he played with, a lot of damn Hall of Famers. And it's, but Matthew Johnson was just that guy. On the floor, the passing, the way he, like, was there, was there a greater passer than Matthew Johnson? Like, I mean, if you want to throw in other point guards, I mean, this is for me growing up, you had Jason Kidd was a great point guard. You had Steve Nass. You had Chris Paul. You know, we've had some great point guards. You say even Kyrie. They're not on this level. To me, not even close. I I would still take some guys back then, like Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Jerry West. You had Oscar Robertson. You had, but Steph Curry is in that conversation about being better than these guys. As a shooter, definitely. Magic Johnson's not my number one. Steph Curry, 
I may just put him at number two because that's what I've seen with my own eyes. And that will make me say two will be Steph Curry. When you go back and watch the way Isaiah Thomas played, you go back and watch the way Oscar Robertson played, like you go watch these guys, then you're like, you tend to forget because they're great players too. They're like, oh, different eras and, you know, different uh, teams. And the, but go watch some of those games. I'm telling you, you, you will change your mind. And just watch how the defense is played. Just watch how the ball handling was. Just, I mean, Isaiah Thomas is out there playing great defense. The way he could just steal a ball from you, like, it's incredible. And that's why these debates, there's, there's just no ending to these debates. Because then there's going to be a player 10 years from now, they're going to be like, oh, he's better than Steph Curry. And you're going to be like, what? But that's just the way I feel about it. And that's, I have Magic Johnson as the best point guard ever. Steph Curry, I'll put you at number two. I'm not going to make a big argument about it. But right now, you're not on Magic Johnson's level yet. You got to win a couple championships. And then I'll be like, damn, give it to him. Best shooter we've ever seen. Most championships. Like, then you're, you're just like, you're in that category like this. Surpassing everybody. Um, but that's my view on the point guard. If, hey, if I'm Steph Curry, of course I'm going to say, hey, me, I'm the best point guard. Why not? But I know he said, he said that kind of jokingly. He knows Magic was the idol, and he's that's who he has to uh, catch. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all for joining me here on Sports Talk from the Curry with your favorite sports host, Tanner Christian. Remember, new episodes air every Tuesday and Friday. It's available on all streaming platforms. So go check out the website at sportstalksfromthecrib.com. Subscribe there. Get the latest news and updates. And be sure to check us out on social media. Feel Heat Entertainment is still FTHG. on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Now do it again for today. Thank you all for joining me. See you all on Friday.